Episode 48 of Rank and Review. This is your host and round of Canadian Larry Parsons, and thank you so much for checking out the show. This episode, me and my fellow film freak friend, Kevin Ross, are going to discuss six prequels. If you would like to send feedback, and please do, you can do that by sending your emails to rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Please check out this website at rankandreview.ca and uh, check us out on Facebook and on iTunes. Please tell that other film freak in your life about the podcast and I hope you enjoy. Creepers. So here we go with episode 48 of Rankin Review, and I'm okay. with my friend Kevin Ross. Hi there. Who I managed to bully into doing this <laughs> podcast. No, no, it's all good. It's just our schedules. Uh, we're, not, we're not going well together for a little while there, but we're here now. So The time awesome. has come. Yep. Today is the day. It's happening. Yeah, we shall and, do it. Uh, I know that you are like me, sort of, uh, you're a regular fixture on the couch watching horror movies. Oh, I, I, I say yes. that with no judgment. I, <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh yes, and I admit it with no, uh, no, no, no problem at all. Yeah, I love the horror movies and But I think I, and... I did need a connoisseur for this in a little bit, because we're talking about prequels. Yeah. And uh, I think one of the questions that we have to ask ourselves with each of these movies is, a, how necessary it is. Do we want to know more yes. <laughs> about these characters? Yes. And, and uh, do we learn anything more from it? <clears throat> yes. And I think if you have a relationship with the you know original tree of the the film series, yeah. then then it'll you know it'll mean more to you. Oh, I, I agree with that completely. <laughs> uh, the like there there can be prequels for other movies that that maybe don't deserve a prequel, <laughs> and it, and it and it kind of makes it ruins a a good film. Yeah. You know, a prequel can ruin a good already established film. Uh, I think so, anyway. In a way, I think the prequel is more designed for horror fans than even the sequels are. Yeah. Whereas the sequels, you're expecting more of the same, more of the same. The prequel is going to set things up and it's going to give you answers that you didn't have when you started. But True. I also like the flip side of this coin. One of these days, I'm going to get a friend of mine who has like no interest in horror movies at all, <laughs> and I'm going to just throw them a bunch of franchise selections. You know, like <laughs> yeah. Halloween Four, Friday the Thirteenth Two, and blah blah blah. Just yeah. six random ones, and just have them figure it out. But, a Hellraiser. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just like okay, here you are. Uh, have just watching this chapter alone. What does it mean to you? <laughs> what is, what is just this watch series? This and see yeah. what this means. Yeah. But for the prequels, no. I think I wanted somebody who knew what they were talking about. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, like like I said, I watch a, I watch a lot of movies. I'm a I'm a fan of uh, the 
kind of lower end horror movies and things like that. Uh, a low budget won't yeah, scare you away. No, absolutely like not. No, I I don't believe in the star rating system. I I watch a lot of things and I recommend a lot of things that most people probably wouldn't watch yeah. and they they enjoy it. So, for most things genre and what I call genre movies would basically be horror, fantasy, sci-fi in that realm. Yeah. If there's some fantastical element to it. I'm going to try and get around to watching it. I yep. know there's an awful lot of them, but like that's, well, there's a, that's the discipline. <laughs> there's, there's really more than you can count, you know? Like there's really more out there than, than people know. You just have to really kind of just get away from that rating system where you look or somebody has said, oh, that's a terrible movie. They might have thought it was a terrible movie, yeah. but I you, you might enjoy it. Right? So. And I do think you look at different movies, like where they come from. Oh. If this is a movie made for a quarter of a million dollars by a group of friends in their backyard yeah and it's got some loud problems you'll look past them oh of, oh yeah of but course. if it's a pedigreed movie made by people who know or should know what the fuck they're doing <laughs> and there's loud large problems then it'll piss you off oh uh, yeah i'd rather i'd rather watch a i'd rather watch a well done homemade yeah kind of movie than than a than a multi-million dollar production that just doesn't go anywhere like, and especially just, with no the thanks. horror movie i'm just on your side yeah I'm just on your yeah because there, there's not a lot of them out there anymore that are on your edge of your seat scary you know like they're just not you know it's like, a rare and rare thing yeah that's what i'm uh, finding that's the other interesting thing just because we watch so many movies does that make us jaded i do think like the act of, you know, having this podcast and reviewing movies and, yeah. and like, almost always having my quote-unquote critic hat on yeah. is sort of, A, changing the way I look at the movies while I watch them and, you know, B, like, because I've seen so many of them, I'm, I'm often experiencing deja vu when I'm watching these movies. It's, it's true. Like, the, the, formula, <laughs> the formula for being scared nowadays is pretty, pretty straightforward and a lot of the newer horror movies follow it and it's just... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's lost to me. Not compared to the older ones like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or, you know, things like that are just yeah. The the movies nowadays just aren't on the edge of your seat. So well, and there's it's weird because there's an acid test for a comedy for me is did I laugh? Yeah. If I laughed, then it was a good comedy. Yeah. And with the horror movie, was I scared? Yeah. Um, but I can even get past it. Even if a horror movie doesn't scare me, I can sort of <laughs> detach myself enough to say, I could see how it would be scary to yeah. some people. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. I've seen too many of this <laughs> particular brand. Yeah, you do get a little desensitized over the, over the years of watching movies, well, I think. Yeah. So here are the six prequels that we are going to discuss. Uh we have the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning, yeah, the yeah. prequel to the Michael Bay produced, Marcus Nispel directed remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, it shares a lot of the same cast and uh, very similar in production value. Um, From Dust Till Dawn Three, The Hangman's Daughter, a uh, direct-to-video prequel, prequel yeah. to the uh, cult-respected From Dust Till Dawn. Fantastic series for sure. Um, from the interesting, I think, uh, horror series, Paranormal Activity 3, yeah. uh, we, we're going to go back in time and we're going to meet uh, Katie and her sister as little girls in yeah. the 1980s. Yeah. And we're going to watch it all through the charming perspective of VHS, which was, <laughs> quote-unquote, my medium growing yeah. up. Yeah, awesome, <laughs> awesome. Um, Psycho 4, The Beginning. 
the last of the Psycho franchise, one would hope, with yeah. the death of Anthony Perkins. Well, yeah, I would, think, I would think that would pretty much end it right there. Um, yeah, I hope they don't try and... Depending on where you saw this movie, you'll see a different version or not. But if you remember there being any boobies in this movie, then you saw the made-for-television version. Uh, and yeah. if there was boobs in it, then you saw the theatrical version. But... Uh, <laughs> Basically, that movie is largely a conversation to a radio call-in show. Oh, really? <laughs> awesome. Wreck so, uh, 3, Genesis. Uh, the first of the Wreck franchise to break from the found footage perspective. Yeah, yeah true. Um, and uh, to also, I think, embrace humor. How comfortably or not, we can discuss. Yeah. And last but not least, uh, Exorcist, or sorry, Dominion, prequel to The Exorcist. This is Paul Schrader's abandoned prequel to The Exorcist. Yeah. Um, that uh, has its history tied up with Rennie Harlan's Exorcist the Beginning. In a lot of ways, they're the same movie, and in a lot of ways, they're completely different. Yeah, th- yeah that's, that's, they're, it's a different kind of show altogether, I think, anyway. <laughs> so, there we go, six prequels. Is there anything you want to say, Kevin, before we get started? Oh, thank you for having me, and I look forward to discussing this, and... Uh... Let's uh, talk about some movies here. Let's do it, too. Yeah, all right. As far back as I can remember, our family has lived in this town. We passed on our traditions. But when everybody left, me and my family started a tradition of our own. People may not know what we say here tonight. By God, they'll remember what we do. The beginning. Okay, so we're going to start with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning. Yes. Uh, this is directed by Jonathan Liebsman. Uh, I, people will know him more recently for having directed the nouveau version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Fantastic movie. Uh, um, I have not managed to make the time for that yet. But, uh, he also directed a movie that I was pretty unkind to on the podcast called Darkness Falls. Yeah. Um, you got the feeling watching Darkness Falls that this was a director who actually had some game, who was being sort of forced to make a PG ghost movie by yeah. the studio and, and being gagged and tied. And I often have thought with this Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning that when given the opportunity to go full throttle and like... Yeah. <laughs> Turn the taps on and really, you know, make a hard R yeah. horror um, movie. It, it, he embraced it completely. He, he completely did, like <laughs> like you said there, from the one movie to the next, it's total, two totally different directors. Yes. Um, this is by far the director I think he is, and yeah. the director he can be, and not that other movie that is just... I just didn't enjoy that one at all, and like you, I was very... It was one of those things that you could frustratingly see how that could have been a good movie if it was being allowed to be a good movie. But here's the thing: I'm I'm still kind of mixed here. Like, uh, it's nice to see him be able to sort of stretch his arms and and, you know, okay, we're gonna we're gonna get dirty, we're gonna get bloody, we're gonna make a nasty movie. Yeah. Um, This is a film that your friend and mine, Ryan Giese, dubbed the pre-make, and that's exactly what it is. It's it's not a prequel to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's a prequel to the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. True. And it shares a lot of the cast, most yeah. notably and significantly Arlie Ermey Which as I, the, quote, the sheriff. I'm very happy about that. He's, uh, he makes such a fantastic, he plays that role so, so well that you're just... If you can have Arlie Ermey in your movie, 
have early in your movie, right? Oh, definitely. Uh, he commits 100%, and you can tell he really enjoys playing this psychotic sheriff. Oh, yeah. And uh, we learned that he is the sheriff because he basically killed the previous sheriff and stripped him of his uniform. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Kills the sheriff, steals his uniform, pretend, drives the car around, pretends. Um, and it's the best performance of the movie, I think, and I think, like, the darkest, sort of most cringe yet uh, appealing comedic moments come from him. Oh yeah, definitely. But Arlie Ermey, at least for me, sort of has made his entire career out of playing characters that you hate. Yeah. Uh, like he was established for me, at least the first time I remember seeing him was of course Full Metal Jack. It was yeah, the drill the, instructor. The drill instructor and, is just like one of my... Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> I'll never forget that character, you know, like yeah. just... And um, much like with, with, with in Full Metal Jacket, when that character makes its dramatic exit from the film, you're still you're mixed on it. Yeah. You know, it's horrifying, yeah, yeah, you're, you're, and yet you're that both, guy was you're a both, terrible you're person. You're both kind of like, you know, like, well, he got what he deserved, <laughs> you know, but then you're like, you know, like... Spoilers yeah, for Full Metal was... Jacket, kids. But, uh, <laughs> so I like I like Arlie Ermey. I like that he approaches the material with yeah. gusto. And they took, like I said, there's no brakes pulled on, on the violence. We're going to see a face carved off of a body. Oh, yeah. But I would have two questions, and I'll hand it over sure. to you, but I have two questions that I will pose to you. Um, I know that the remake was quite successful, and that it was a full-throttle bloody movie, too. Yeah. But have another look at the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and you will find it's actually not a very bloody movie at all. No. In fact, it is much more about atmosphere and that feeling of craziness yeah. of, like... Of, of just losing your mind. Yeah. So I think that we've come fairly far from the original source material. On top of that, we have the fact that because this is a prequel, this is a remake, we know that the sheriff's going to live on to murder the kids in the remake. Yeah. There is an inevitability to the storytelling here. Nobody can survive this. Yeah. Now, I know it's not unexpected that we'll see horror movies where everything dies, but usually there's some... Maybe they'll make it. Maybe yeah, they won't. Yeah, at some point, they'd like it's just like in every horror movie. There's like, oh, you know, maybe he can might come be able to come back from that. You for know, me, like, and this kills a lot of the suspense, quote unquote, for it. But the first time we see the group of beautiful kids in the car yeah. before things go wrong, it's like opening shot on a group of dead <laughs> teenagers. Yeah, yeah. So that's both the good and the bad. Simultaneously bad for me, but uh, I'm totally willing to hear a second opinion. What do you think of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre of the beginning? Uh, I think the movie itself is, uh, delivers quite well on what it says to be a gory masterpiece of like you know, <laughs> of like edge of your seat. You're 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 going to be grossed out. You are going to look away from the screen. You are going to be scared, yeah. and you develop kind of a. I don't know, for me, I develop kind of a, a loathing love relationship when it comes to the characters of the family, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, they're twisted, twisted, twisted people and, and, and things like that. And the sheriff, like you said, he plays the role spectacular. You know, like, that, like just the suffering he imparts on these people are just... Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a, you can't believe it. And it's interesting because for Arlie Ermey, it's not so much about the violence yeah. as it is about the torture. Yeah. Um, he assumes that these kids are draft dodgers. Yeah. We, we know that they're not. But <laughs> when, that, he, yeah, when he see, takes it out on the on the brother there because he thinks he's the draft dodger. Absolutely. And, and things like but that. But yeah. he basically does like an even darker reenactment of a scene that you might have seen in Full Metal Jacket where he just brutally beats yeah. these two guys and gives them like... 
uh, a humiliating breakdown. But yeah. it's not even about the violence. It's about this guy just screaming at him. This yeah. guy who is so awful and stupid and ignorant and backwards. <laughs> yeah. And he is talking like to these people like they're... You know, yeah, nothing like they, they're garbage. Yeah. They're the people who have done things wrong their entire life. Yeah, well, Just the outrage of yeah. that. One of the one of the parts in the movie that I that really hit gets me, and it's a very tiny part is when he finds the burnt draft card, mm-hmm. and you know for a fact that this guy is just going to like lose his mind over this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and then as it progresses, and you realize, yeah, this guy is just, you know, like. Wow, the sheriff is just lost. You know, he's like he said, he's ignorant, he's backwards, he's inbred, he's like everything. You know, like, and yet smugly superior. Yeah, he's and, like, and when yeah, when he has the upper hand, he's he's very much smugly superior. You yeah. know what I mean? But when he gets beaten, there's <laughs> uh, a movie that Dominic Senna made before he started making terrible movies, starring a, a then not super famous Brad Pitt. Yeah, called California. Oh yeah, great movie. Yeah. And. Uh, I get the similar vibe from the central character of that movie is that this, this like, it's confident, malevolent ignorance. Yeah. Like, they're, they don't know anything about the world. They don't know anything except for their own backyard. Yeah. But they will never admit it, and yeah. nobody tells them the way the world works. They're going to tell you yeah. the way the world works. They're the king of their and backyard. You yeah. better fucking adapt, especially if you're going to be in their backyard, because yeah. they will kill you, gleefully. Oh. Yeah, like, some of the scenes in that movie are, uh, are just the most horrific things you can see on TV, you know, or, or, uh, and, and it really is it's some of the most graphic violence I've seen in a movie in a long time is, yeah. is that movie. But like you said, compared to the first movie, uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was a lot of dark scenes, a lot of like screaming and chainsaw music, uh, chainsaw in the background, uh, a lot of scenes like that where the suspense was what was going to get you it was rather a, than the shock value yeah. itself of it was uh, a much more sensory thing yeah in a which was way. a lot of movies like that except for you know like except for the slasher movies like halloween or friday the 13th which what based on gore you know that that movie uh, texas chainsaw massacre was more of the you, you leave it to your imagination and the best thing in about horror is your imagination nothing can scare you more than yourself yeah like nothing can scare you more than your own mind when you're doing stuff and uh, this movie, the, the the Texas Chainsaw, the the prequel here, I I I liked it, but I liked it for a different reason. I liked it for for the sheer shock value of the gore and the horror behind it, and the sheer and the the way the characters are are played, uh, they all did such a great job, even down to it, to the grandpa who gets you know his his leg chopped off, yeah. you know, and 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 the the mother trying to feed him soup, you know, like the, the you know, <laughs> it's all sitting at the table, and it's like holy crazy. And I mean, it does deliver. It delivers the goods as far as your slasher, edging on torture porn kind of movie. Yeah. If that's what you're looking to get, you're going to definitely get that. Here. Oh yeah. With better than average production values and a good cast. Again, I just don't know what the real. what the point of it is in the end I mean it's another slasher movie and it's a well made slasher movie but it doesn't uh, distinguish itself and it doesn't seem like a necessary story like it's great that we now know how he decided he was the sheriff and it's great that we know you know why Uncle What's-His-Face has his legs as stumps but it you know they weren't questions that I was definitely begging to have answered or they could have when they made the the, when they made the next movie they could have just uh 
added those in in the beginning, kind of like before the credits kind of thing, kind of, you know, flash scenes of the him losing his legs and, you know, the sheriff, because, you know, like that kind yeah. of stuff. And not made a whole movie maybe based kind of like on that. Yeah. Kind of just, so you kind of go, oh, oh, that's what, oh, okay. And then goes and into the next movie. Don't get me wrong. I don't think you can make a movie that says Texas Chainsaw Massacre anymore and not bring red oh. like people are going to expect it i mean if this whole movie was done you know subtlety and, and, and you know <laughs> silhouette or whatever uh we would be calling bullshit in the other direction but i think yeah. that there is a balancing act i think that you know you can get right up to the point before you see the the, the flesh peeled off of the skull <laughs> and, or you know it's just a choice it's an yeah. aesthetic choice for me the sound of that alone would probably do the job as well or better. Yeah. But it's a personal choice. Is the movie well made? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, um, of course. And yeah. again, like, for for this type of movie, it's pretty high on that rank. But yeah. um, it's not as fun and bouncy as, say, like a Friday the 13th or a Nightmare on Elm Street. This <laughs> no. is an ugly, visceral, brutal movie. Yeah, there's there's not a point in the movie where you, where you laugh because something... Well, you do... Some things are... You chuckle because they are funny, but in when you look at the scene that it's happening in... Yeah. It's, 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 it's not, it's not like, ha ha funny. It's more like, oh, yeah. whoa, kind of When we get to backwards. the midway point of the movie or a little bit past where they sort of do a half-assed recreation of the classic supper table scene. Yeah. And I realized like half our cast is gone and, uh, we're, we're, we're going to culminate into like sort of the last big sort of sequence of the movie. But in a way I felt once we got to that scene, in a way I've seen the movie, I know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Now. And, uh, you know, it's not a big shock, although it doesn't make sense how he starts the, he's, he's hiding in the backseat of her car, she's driving away, and he manages to start the fucking chainsaw without her, you know, noticing him or something, yeah. whatever, she could not survive, nobody could survive this, that wasn't a gotcha moment, yeah. and I thought it was kind of a mistake that they tried to play it as that. Yeah, yeah, but, I, I agree with that, 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 <laughs> this, this, that there's nobody left, Yeah, is kind of, uh. <laughs> it's and over and now that you know, we know like, that going in I think yeah. takes away the suspense so it really does just become yeah. about watching these people die horrible deaths now what does that do for us as entertainment well that's a conversation we can have but in this realm of movies that do that this does that well yeah that's a, like a, like you can have the conversation about like is is that what makes a horror movie or not but the, well, that's that's a debate left for like ages and, and sitting around in a bar and having pints, you know, like you can discuss that to your blue in the face. Everybody has their different opinions. Yeah. But uh, like you said, in, in the genre that that's in, it's a well-made movie. Uh, lots of what you would expect from a Texas Chainsaw movie. Uh, explains it like you said explains a few things that you know like you didn't might not have known if you're a fan of the series and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, worth the watch. I, I, I would say worth the watch. Like, you know, go ahead. Uh, if you want lots of blood and gore and, and, and like, horror porn and, you know, <laughs> just a general fucked up storyline, it's a great, it's a, it's a good movie. And I enjoyed the characters, you know, because I enjoyed the franchise. That's so great. it's great. From the creators of From Dusk Till Dawn, Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez comes a journey back to where it all began. That one has the devil inside. Outlaw Johnny Madrid is on the run from the hangman. Go get the horses! This time with the hangman's daughter along for the ride. Esmeralda, you have no idea what you've unleashed. When Esmeralda's secret birthright is revealed. How do you know my name? 
It's her they want. They discover they're in for the fight of their lives. Make yourselves comfortable. You're just in time for dinner. <laughs> so we can thank Quentin Tarantino for a lot of things. Um, <laughs> a lot of things, yeah. Uh, they're, 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 you know, uh, I'm, I'm usually sort of of two minds a lot of times about his movies. Part of me loves them, part of me hates them, but I'm always going to watch the next Tarantino movie. Oh, awesome. uh, Tarantino, of course, had nothing to do creatively with this. He, he wrote the original From Dust Till Dawn. But uh, interestingly, Michael Parks, who is sort of the main character of this movie, plays Ambrose Bierce. And uh, he, he had two different parts that he played in, in Kill Bill. He was, uh, he's recently been in, in the Kevin Smith movies, Red State and Tusk. Yep. Um, and Tarantino sort of picked him out of relative obscurity and basically pointed out to the world, this guy's awesome, you should use him. And he's right. Yeah, he is right. And uh, <laughs> it's interesting because at this point, nobody had caught on to Michael Parks quite yet. So here he is standing into this... Starring in this direct-to-video prequel yeah. uh, of, of From Dusk Till Dawn. And it's a cash-grab production, and, and uh, it's one of those movies that's set in the Wild West, but it's got that weird sheen to it. And, like, they they didn't want to get the costumes too dirty. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> They have to take them back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But they, they want to be reused again. You know, yeah. there's, there's something that's just a little bit too modern about it to be convincingly... Uh, period piece for me so you kind of have to meet the movie halfway uh, and and whereas I like that they have Michael Parks in the center of the movie and I think it's interesting that he's playing Ambrose Bierce uh, a famous author who disappeared in the Mexican desert around this period yeah is kind of an interesting choice yeah I don't know how many people of the audience of, of from Dust of Dawn 3 would know or care who Bierce was but good for them for at least trying to add yeah when, an, another layer to this when I when I first saw the movie I, I actually had to look up who that was yeah because it said in the beginning it had the little reading that said you know this is this person he left went down to join Pancho Villa yeah. and was never seen again you know yeah. so nobody really knows what happens to him so this kind of interpretation he but probably he, got entangled with some vampires is my guess oh I would I would think that's what <laughs> that, that's exactly what happened and somehow somebody got out with the story and through the generations and here we go most famously the author is known for an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge um, so if you know English majors might, might be familiar with that Anyway, I kept on waiting because of that, for that sort of to play in more to the plot than it than it does. Um, Rebecca Gayhart, who was sort of a thing in the '90s era, she was in one of the Scream movies. She was yeah. in Urban Legends. Yeah, she's pretty, but a, again, a very modern presence. I don't believe her as a period yeah. character. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it might have been a mistake. And again, I'll hand it back to you in a second here, but. They also seem to follow the trajectory of the first film in that it's uneven between its balance of drama and comedy, and it's uneven in the way its story is told. We get well halfway, or maybe a little bit more, into the movie before this whole supernatural vampire element rears its head. Yeah. Whereas in the first movie, that could arguably be considered a twist or yeah, you know a choice <laughs> but this is the third movie right yeah. this is the third movie so we don't you don't need to hold your cards back necessarily because we know this is coming yeah there's no impact to that it's just like after a while i started to get impatient and say bring on the bring on the vampires yeah. yes i agree so, no, it's all right it's all right but uh it's hard for me to get too enthusiastic about the hangman's daughter but what do you think Kevin? um the Hangman's Daughter, I, I'm a big fan of the 
the whole series. Right. I, I've, I've seen them all many numerous times, including including that one. Um, it, it Like you, I all I wanted was them to get to the bar. Yeah. That's all I cared about. You know, yeah. the, the, that, that's all I cared about, you know, was that, because I know I love the bar fights, I love the, the vampires, how they change, I like the, I was like, you know, they, but they did an okay job with that in the bar fight, but that's basically what I was waiting to see in the movie. I didn't need to know the storyline behind it. I already knew the storyline behind it, basically. Yeah. You know, uh, that, like you said, the whole first 40 minutes of the movie probably could have been chopped down to about 10, yeah. maybe 15. And you it still would have been... Characters on a stagecoach. The stagecoach gets robbed. They yeah. Have to, you know, you can show the... the the love scene, or not the love, but the the hanging scene. You know, you can see that if you want to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like you can throw in a little bit of that in, and and maybe that'll explain a little more why what these characters are doing and stuff like that. But for the most part, I watched the movie itself because I'm a fan of them all, and I wanted to see it, and it was good enough because it made me watch it to the end yeah you know what it's, I mean? uh, like that's what i would say it's good enough for a movie that was made direct to video yeah very cheap it's it's you really gotta you really gotta put that in your head when you watch it you really you really gotta let go of uh what you would think of as like fantastic production value and things like that because it's really not yeah but it's it's a continuation or it's the beginning <laughs> continuation i'll just say anyway just for the sake of it of the franchise yeah and they kept up with the same formula, like you said, the same formula of, you know, like... The movie the, will the, radically change gears yeah, halfway through. Yeah, but with Quentin Tarantino in the first one, you, this, that's what you kind of would have expected. At the end of the movie, when you walked away from that one, the first one, you were like, well, yeah, that's kind of, you know, that's <laughs> that's twisted, that's fucked Yeah, that was, what a you weird know? choice. What a weird movie. But yeah. Like you said, but by the third one, you already know. Yeah. So you don't need that... There's that, no that reveal there. The There's no weight the, to it. The fluff in the beginning just doesn't matter. Not not even for character development as far as I'm concerned, you know. And that's the unfortunate so. thing because if I was expecting this plot to go anywhere or these characters to do anything except for die messily at the hands of vampires, yeah. then, then I would have more weight to it. But really, once we get to the bar, these people just start dying willy-nilly and we don't yeah. just, we don't care. The movie doesn't seem to care, you know. No, like, <laughs> no the, the, like, the, like that, but that's what, uh, you know, if you're a fan of the series... Uh, that's what you're waiting for. Yeah. You know, you're waiting for that bar scene where, you know, the, there's blood flying and heads being chopped off and vampires biting people left, right, and center and the little humorous quips in between and you got the rowdy American and you got the crazy and, Pancho Villa guy. You yeah. got, you know... And much like the first movie, I think that the wacky humor is really... It really does take you out of it. E even when they thinly manage to sort of establish, you know, some credibility within their storytelling in yeah. the Western milieu, some sort of weird, you know, oh, she he actually kicks the testicles off of a, a vampire. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, you yeah. know it just like takes you right out of it. It's back into goofy <laughs> American Pie humor. Yeah. Um, and that sort of stuff actually happened in the first one too. It's not like they were breaking any of the rules. Yeah, well, established. in the first one, look at the big jackhammer, you know, yeah. built into the thing. You know, they've got. I've always that had kind of issue thing. with the Tom Savini penis gun. Yeah, where the barrels are actually <laughs> oh, yeah. separate from the from the actual gun. Yeah, there. yeah, no, you know, you know, so so they're not. They, they haven't strayed from you the formula, but they toned that. But they really did tone down on the ingredients of yeah. that formula. You know what I mean? Like it's not. Yeah, that like they didn't want people actually riding the horses. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or anything like that. I but. think that you know, 
Michael Parks retains his dignity, as he always does, no matter what the premise. Even yeah. in something as crazy as Tusk, he manages oh. to give like a very strong performance. Yeah. Um, so he, he can come out head held high. I, I guess I would ask, what did we learn? out of this prequel about like that we didn't know with the Let's final see. shot of the first movie when they pan back from the yeah. bar and we see that the bar is actually the tip of this huge buried pyramid um, they've been there forever uh, yeah. they've been living there and, and, and doing Be this forever and yet they die like punks yeah they do they, they, you don't understand how they've achieved this immortality because you can seemingly you know Anybody who's half strong can punch a hole in these vampires, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. The like, yeah, they're pretty weak as far as vampires go. Uh, you know, yeah, what I learned from it, uh, I don't think I really learned that much. That as far that, as the prequel, yeah, that's just, there's that, nothing revelatory. Not really, maybe, maybe the daughter being the princess of the, you know, queen of the dam's right. daughter, and that's how him and that chick mesh in with the storyline, but. I mean, uh, yeah, like uh, for you know, I just, I watched it simply because it's the third one, yeah, and I know it would be okay to watch, <laughs> yeah. So I watched it, and 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 like I said, if if you're a fan of the series, you can pretty much fast forward past the first half an hour or so yeah. and and watch it and still not really miss anything about what the movie's about or what's going on. You might say, on. well, uh, do I know these characters better or worse? Well, maybe. Yeah. But again, once the worm turns, yeah. they're, they're no longer characters. Yeah. That's they're, they're like, they cease. Everything that was prologue is, is pointless. Yeah. And again, arguably that the, the same can be said of the first movie. So, yeah. Um, they do a, they do the tone and the sort of feel of A Dust Till Dawn well enough for a direct-to-video photocopy, but like I said, I just can't get excited about it. No, uh, no, I have to agree with you. Uh, unless you're a fan of that style and you're a fan of that, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have watched it. So yeah, I agree. <laughs> All right, here we go. Hey, ladies. Hi. Hey. Oh, it's Katie. Woohoo! Katie, wait, wave hi to the camera, Katie. Hey, Christy, you want to say hi? Come on, give, it, give, give us a wave here, Christy. <laughs> Whatever happened to us when we were little, I don't remember anything. Whatever it was, it thrived on fear. The more we paid attention to it, the worse it got. Okay, I think it's on. Remember the rules? Yes. Say Bloody Mary three times. Okay, I'm gonna turn off lights. So the directing team that got uh, assigned, I'm assuming, the task of creating Paranormal Activity 3, they're named Henry Joost and Ariel Schulman. Mm -hmm. They did the third and fourth chapters of the, this franchise, but they got the gig on the strength of another sort of found footage -y kind of movie called Catfish. Okay. I don't know if you're aware of it. I don't but, think I've uh, seen Catfish. Nope. It's, it, it's interesting because I can see why they would look at these guys and say they could do a paranormal activity movie because okay. it's a very... A guy has got a relationship online and he decides to make a documentary about himself driving across country to meet this person that he's been romancing online. That's Catfish. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, it's sort of similar in that it, you could sort of almost believe it was a real thing. Um, I do find the Paranormal Activity franchise, as a rule, I'm a fan of it. 
that said, it has its ups and downs. Yes. Um, when uh, my friend Matt and I reviewed part four, I said that it seems to be having a similar sort of trajectory to, the, to for me as, as like Indiana Jones, and that the odd number movies seem to be much better than the even number <laughs> movies. I agree, yeah. I was disappointed greatly by Paranormal Activity 2. Yeah. And I was very surprised at just how much I liked Paranormal Activity 3. And not only that, I might make the case that of the movies I've seen so far, which is everything up to um, the... Yeah. I've seen everything up to the marked ones. And I think that part three has the most scares in it yes. of any of the uh, of the movies. Yes. So that's high praise. Uh, for the third chapter in a forced perspective, found footage sort of milieu, which people are, are starting to get worn out on. Big points for, for achieving that. And I think more so than the previous two movies that we've talked about, we get more information in Paranormal Activity 3 yes. than we do in all of the other Paranormal Activity movies yep. combined. Oh, definitely. I agree with you 100% on that. Okay. So, uh, as a fan of the franchise, I love how much new that I've learned. Mm -hmm. And as somebody who you know is a defender of the found footage, I love that they used it in an interesting and new enough way yeah. to completely you know, stand tall and proud as a yes. very solid chapter three in a franchise i i agree with you 100 percent there larry about uh about that that i'm a, i'm like you i'm a huge ginormous fan of the paranormal activities franchise right from the first all the way to the marked ones um i i enjoy them all they they have made me scared right. they have made me jump i have actually turned on the lights in my house when watching some of them you know like because it's like oh you know, because to me, it's, it's 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 very scary. The paranormal to me is one of the most freakiest things. It freaks me out the most. Right. You know, so... It touches a nerve. Yeah, the, the, like, a, uh, there's a, there's so many scenes in Paranormal 3 that are just... Uh, the, the the one with the sheet comes to mind right away with the, where the babysitter's in the thing. And the way that they use the panoramic camera, which... Uh, you actually, when you're watching it, you actually do believe like it's the first time you're you're watching something like that, where a camera pans back and forth. Whereas, you know, you see it in movies and TV shows all the time. You see it in, on walking when you're in the bank. You see the cameras moving. Yeah. But uh, that every time would get you. And yeah. then when that the, yeah the ghost uh, the the little sheet action there, I was a little taken aback though by her reaction to the sheet being on the floor. I would have thought it would have been a little more mm -hmm. uh, like losing it kind of, but. Well, let's back up just a little bit. I'm going to sure. talk, do a little sure. bit of plot setup. Oh, I know sure. we didn't talk a lot about plot with From Dust Till Dawn, but there wasn't a whole lot of no, necessary not, not plot. A lot, no. uh, they spend a lot of time spinning their wheels before this, you know, just forgetting yeah. about it. In this case, I think that it's interesting because it's set in the 80s. We go back in time yes. and we're watching home videos of Katie and her sister. Do you remember the sister's name? Off uh, uh, Chris, uh, Katie delivers a box with... Christy. Christy and Katie? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, so we're going to watch them. And I think part of the reasons that it really struck a chord with me is that around this time, uh, I grew up a child of the 80s. So the, the format is familiar to me, you know? And uh, basically we see that their mother has a new boyfriend who makes a living filming VHS tapes of, of weddings. Yeah. And he has his own editing suite and everything like that. So he, we're set up with why the equipment is there even in the 80s. And one night when he's trying to film a sex tape, he inadvertently records fairly compelling evidence of some kind of supernatural entity in yeah. the house. And, of course, such as two of the, the series, gets really obsessed with trying to capture more of it on tape. 
but all within the purview of the technology that was available in the 80s. The whole panning fan thing that you're talking about, he took the head off a fan and put his camera on it. Yeah. He would have to painstakingly switch the tapes every six hours yeah. because they would only record six hours at a time. Um, so uh, I, I'm very familiar to that, and maybe it wouldn't be as impactful if you weren't, if you're just coming to it with fresh eyes, yeah. if you're a youngin coming yeah. to see this. But for me, it's just like it was revisiting my childhood, and it did feel authentic. Yeah, it really right down to the Bloody Mary game, which I remember being quite popular in the eighties. I remember, I remember as a kid playing Bloody Mary, and you know, like nothing, uh, nothing tangible happened, but it, psychologically, scared the living hell out of three kids. That you is know the I mean? game of Bloody Mary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the game a... of Bloody Mary is kids scaring the it, shit out it, of it, themselves. It, it, it got to it, it was it was. I remember, I remember uh, the girls would come out crying. I remember some of the guys that wouldn't even go in. You know yeah. what I mean? Like uh, you know that. Or I saw something. I swear I saw something. But you know, I never saw anything. But uh, yeah, no that that scene in Paranormal with, with the Bloody Mary caught me. Yeah, uh, that that uh, is one of I, in the top three scariest moments of that whole movie. Is that <laughs> little moment when they're in the bathroom? Yeah, and you see that. And that you don't know what it is, and it's uh, so black, and it, and it. The babysitter believes he's been bitten by oh, something. Oh, he's yeah. got the yeah, and he's like, oh, and he's trying, and he did such a good job of like pretending not to be scared. He's trying to be strong. Yes, yeah, and, and you can, but he did such a great acting job of. You could tell it. The guy's fucking terrified. Yeah, terrified, but he can't because this little girl. He just it. keeps repeating, "It's okay, yeah. it's okay." And, but the way it's he was okay. shaking but, and, the, and the voice and those short little breaths between things, and he's he's like, saying oh, it to himself as yeah. much as he can to her. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but uh, the whole series. Uh, it, this one, uh, you learn pretty much everything you need to know about what's been going on. Yeah, you know, like who is the the first one. The first one's good. Uh, the second one is, I'm not sure. The second one is confusing. the first movie, but yeah. less scary and less interesting. Yeah, I, I, I think out of the, all of them, that's the one that I have watched the least, including the latest installment. Yeah. I've watched more than I've watched the second one. Yeah. Um, this third one though is ha- had me scared, especially when the girls upstairs get their hairs pulled and yeah. you know pulled their, or the blankets get ripped off. You know, it's a childhood. It's weird fear. because we know that they're going to be fine. We know that they grow up yeah. and nothing really shitty happens until, you know, much later in their lives. Yeah. They're safe. And yet, watching them play at night with this thing that's not there yeah. is terrifying. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I think, like you say, one of my favorite moments the uh, at, in, in this version of the story or the younger daughter, the younger sister is much more in tune with Toby, the invisible friend. Yeah. And you kind of get the feeling like the older sister plays along, but doesn't get that Toby's real. Yeah. Until one day while they're chasing each other, she physically runs into Toby. Yeah. And Toby responds by grabbing her by her hair and fucking lifting her off the ground. Yeah. And when she comes screaming to mom that Toby pulled my hair and mom doesn't believe it, you know, and uses it as, not only that, uses it as ammunition to try and shut down her boyfriend's ghost hunting. Yeah. Because look what you're doing to the girls. Yeah. She wouldn't even she wouldn't even look at the tape. Yeah. You know, all she would have had to do is sit down and look at the tape and everything would have been, you know, kosher, you know, like yeah. oh well then she would have known. But uh the movie covers its bases that when, way. When when uh 
it's another upstairs scene with the with the two girls and it's the really first time that you actually get a feeling of the presence is when it walks by the bed and the sh- and the little paper flutters and yeah. the and the, sh- the sheets, the sheets just that for lift a moment. flutter just a bit and then all of a sudden wham the sheet goes flying off the bed and into the camera and makes you go whoa you know like yeah. makes you lean back in your chair and and you know and you get that goose like even now i get goosebumps when you talk <laughs> about it because it is it's freaky yeah you know and then from there on it just that's when now it, it doesn't have to hide anymore yeah. you know what i mean a lot of people had a problem in the first paranormal activity movie with mika character just being counterproductive and refusing to believe the very real evidence in front of him yeah and the interesting thing is that you could make a case that the mother character in this movie is very similar in yeah. the frustrating unwillingness to hear him out. He's clearly terrified. The girls are clearly terrified, but she won't hear it. Yeah. But the great thing is, is I think that the movie pays that off because when we realize and spoiler territory, yeah. kids, yeah. and the third act that her mother, the kid's grandmother, are, is very directly involved with the yeah. supernatural stuff. Oh, definitely, stuff. she's like a head witch or yeah. whatever. You yeah. get the feeling that either she's actively participating which i doubt or that she's lived a life of repressing that angle to her family yeah supernatural stuff doesn't exist there's nothing evil there's nothing bad because you know that's just you know she cannot accept anything other than that so it it's motivated that character that you see so many times that can frustrate people uh works in this movie in a way that it rarely does in others so yeah i think obviously much more is working than is not um, I really like the fact that the little girls were you know, directly involved with the supernatural stuff. And again, between relating to the fact that it was the 80s and seeing the Teddy Ruxpin doll that I, you know, <laughs> remember, you know, when, from when I was a kid. Uh, I also feel like there's a really interesting thing about kids being much more receptive yes. to supernatural elements. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm a very skeptically minded person, but there's still weird shit that happened to me when I was a kid. That I can't explain. Sure. But I always have to go through the filter when I was a kid. And sometimes the line between imagination and, and you know, there not imagination. One. There isn't one. Yeah, when you're <laughs> that age. So yeah. I can't say concrete evidence of spooky shit. But yeah. I can say the spooky shit that ever happened to me happened to me when I was a kid. And uh, seeing these little girls, like we say, running around the house at three in the morning playing with this not imaginary friend yeah. that's invisible is scary. That is scary. The, 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 the great device of the panning camera in the kitchen like you say for the reveal of a babysitter we see the shape under a sheet classic ghost image yeah. walk up to behind where she's studying and then the sheet just melts to the floor yeah that's she awesome. turns around having not seen the figure only just seeing the sheet on the floor and is yeah. perplexed by it but yeah yeah just so many little moments of discovery that are all scary the yeah. Bloody Mary sequence, like we said, is scary. The scene where he first notices there's an earthquake and dust falls yeah. and settles on the silhouette of a person standing in the room where they were about to have sex. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That That's clear evidence that something was there in the room watching yeah. you. Yeah. Like, just that alone is scary, and that's just one of the beats that sets up Paranormal Activity 3. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying is, I liked it a lot. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you a lot. Uh that that movie is uh i think by far the best one in the series so far uh i think uh the the way that it scares you the way that it scared me the way that it made me jump uh played on my 
you know, as you said, when you with the kids and stuff, played on my fears as when I was a kid, you know, scary things would happen at the lake where, you know, you live and it's quiet and all of a sudden there's thumps and stuff and it's yeah. scary, you know. Uh, but all in all, I, 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 I just really, I enjoyed the movie. Uh, it it did what the second one couldn't do. Yeah. Yeah, so. It brought something new to the table and yeah. it was scary. I, I think there's some primal terror to the original paranormal activity. Yes. Um, and maybe it might have some of the best quote-unquote booze of the series, but part three has more of them. And it tells more story than, like I say, any three other paranormal activities yes. so far. So, I big agree. points. Yeah, I agree with you, 100%. This is Brian Ambrose on KTK, Talk of the Town. I call because the focus of your show tonight is what makes boys kill their mothers. Are you saying you killed your mother? I killed some other women, too. You want to tell us about your mother, uh, how she drove you to become what you became? She'd be sweet one moment, and then she'd suddenly turn mean. Don't you have any respect for the dead? How did it all start? What are you doing here? We're going to wake up your mother. Kill her. I can't, no. Then I'll what makes Norman Bates kill? Look at yourself, boy. Ha, girl. Yes, girl. No. Mama's little girl. No, girl. How'd you kill your mother? Slowly. So if you were to watch a Stephen King adaptation on television sometime in the 90s or in the early aughts, uh-huh. And you were to watch it and say, oh, this is okay, I guess, but it's nowhere near as exciting as the original source material. Chances are good to excellent you were watching a film directed by Mick Garris. Okay. Who was the director of Psycho 4, The Beginning. Right. Uh, the bulk of his career has been spent in television, and a lot of it has been adapting Stephen King. Okay. Um this is fairly early in his career, and uh, as I alluded to in our introduction, there's two versions of this film. There was the one that was sort of made for television, okay. and the one that was sort of designed, that were intended for a more adult theatrical audience. Um, but the fact that it was originally sort of posed as a television movie prequel, sort of as we've fallen a long way from the 1960 classic. Yes. Alfred Hitchcock, Psycho. So I guess before we start diving in on Psycho 4, I will ask, do you have a relationship with the Psycho franchise? Is I, it one I, of the ones that you're into? or I, 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 I do like the Psycho franchise, uh, not as much, I, I, I'm not a fan of it. I, it. Like when I watched this one, I had to watch the third one, and then I had to watch this one because I couldn't remember quite the third. Reset a little bit. Reset a little bit. and uh, But I, I have watched the first one numerous times. Uh, since I was a kid, I've seen Psycho. Uh, I'm familiar with the storyline and all the things like that. So, uh, but it's not my favorite. Yeah. Like it's 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 a it's a, it's a, I'm more of a alien, scary, gore kind of uh, paranormal kind of activity yeah. watching kind of guy. But uh, I still enjoyed the film. I still enjoyed it. So, having never read the original novel written by Robert Block, but having being a big fan of the original film. I think part of the reason that is the the first movie is interesting is because we have to fill in so much. Yeah. We don't know exactly what Norman's relationship with his mom is, yeah. but we know that it's fucked up. Yeah. We know oh, yeah. that at some point matricide took place, he killed her, yeah. and then 
you know, in that creepy Ed Gaines sort of way, stole the corpse and tried to keep it, like yeah. his sort of mummified birds or his stuffed birds or whatever. Um, and I think part of the power of that movie, quote unquote, was it was fairly the bold sexual politics for its time, and like I said, that that you had to fill it in. Yeah. By having this movie, and I'm not sure how much they're mining from the novel here and how much they just sort of are creating. Um, when we see the whole backstory, when we see the abused, you know, young version of Norman Bates, yeah. do we like him more or does it just end up making the first movie less scary? Uh. Does this movie need to exist? It, like, is I guess my really, question. really, if, if I have to be like completely honest with you, Larry, I know. <laughs> No, no, it really doesn't. I, I'm not sure why they decided to um, release that the way that they did. I, I, I'm not. I'm not sure. You know, maybe it would have made. Uh, I don't know. Maybe a better TV series than a movie. Kind of is what I'm trying to. Uh, which is what they've done now. Yeah. Now, yeah. With the which is a great TV series. If you get a chance to watch it, it's it's worth watching. Yeah. I, I enjoyed watching it anyway. But uh, like I said, that movie to me was. Uh, like, like you said, it wasn't really necessary in... I'm not sure what it does to me, like I've said, other than make the original movie less scary through well, its context. Now, the, it's sort of the mo classic thing. The more you know about something, the less sort of scary it becomes. And this is the fourth movie in the franchise, so I guess they're given license at this point. Yeah. But um, I don't know. It's, again, much like I talked about with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning. There's just something that seemed unnecessary about the whole thing. Yeah. Looking past that, I think what it has working for it is obviously Anthony Perkins. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, doing his sort of twitchy, creepy thing well. <laughs> yeah, as and, he always does, of course. And interestingly, you know, a young performance from uh, Henry Thomas, who we all know as Elliot from E.T. Yeah, Elliot. Playing the younger version of, of Norman Bates in Flashback. Um, and there's some, there's some interesting sort of, you know, I don't know how how informed the Henry Thompson's performance was from Anthony Perkins, but uh, I see him attempting to do that same sort of nervous, twitchy energy, yeah. and and I like what they were going for there. Yeah. And uh, the basic structure. I mean, uh, there's a radio talk show that I guess I don't know if they they specialize in true crime or if it's a legal legal type of talk show or whatever, but. Norman Bates calls in and basically out the gate before he admits who he is. Basically says yeah. that the the theme of the show is matricide. He says that he did indeed commit matricide, and it was horrible to know that he was responsible for murder, and especially horrible because he is now in a position where he thinks he's going to have to do it again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. CCH Pounder uh, plays the uh, host of the radio station and. Strangely, the producer who we see behind the glass, who's the guy, the skinny guy with the beard, is played by notable director John Landis, okay. who yeah. directed American Werewolf in London and the Blues Brothers, and yes. sort of a strange presence to have in this movie. But yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really, really recognize until I looked yeah. through the who was playing, and I was like, really? He only has like a half a dozen lines, and he's just in the background of a lot of shots. But yeah. it's John Landis for whatever reason. <laughs> awesome. It's John Landis. Yeah, no. When I realized that, I was like, oh my, look at that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, uh -huh. like you said, there's there's a few points and things you know that kind of clear up a few things here and there maybe a little bit or the some of the scenes are okay there uh overall like you know like i said the movie itself 
unless you're a really big fan of it and you just want it in your collection because it's a it's the number, it's the, it's you have to complete it yeah you know like many of us are you know there's a lot of movies in my collection that i don't like and i don't watch <laughs> because i but i had to have them because it completes the collection and you know you sure you can watch it and say you've watched it and it's it's okay, but it's not something that... I it, have all of the Jaws movies, which consists of a masterpiece and three other movies. <laughs> so I can relate to what you're yeah. saying. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was one really good Jaws movie. It was awesome. Um, Psycho 4, yeah. There's something workmanlike about it, and uh, th that it doesn't have an identity. It, it's... Uh, for the, trying to keep the TV audience in there, it's not as full-blooded as it wants to be. Like I said, the big distinguishing difference is the boobs. Yep. And the first, quote, victim of uh, Henry Thomas's version of, of uh, <laughs> Norman Bates, that act... I don't know if it's... It's a combination of the actress or the script or one is worse than the other, but she plays the victim role almost to like a satirical bend yeah. every decision that girl makes is completely wrong her <laughs> read of this of the scenario is completely wrong her inability to recognize danger when in front of her is completely yeah. wrong and i know that she doesn't have the same context we do we're just on a basic no. common sense yeah this woman is so stupid she almost deserves her fate. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. To, to to take me that removed out of the suspense sequence by that. Yeah. And again, I'm not sure if it's the script, the performance, or both. I, I uh, think I think it's, it's a, a, has to do with the whole the whole combining of it all because you're absolutely right. You know, like it's, it's you don't like, believe her, and therefore <laughs> you don't. She's believe laughable. The you know yeah. what I mean? As, and as the and as the person who's about to go through to a horrible death. Yeah. You want to feel some sort of empathy towards her, but you 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 can't because, like you said, she's so stupid that that you you just you know. And it's not you can't blame the actress because if she's given these lines and told she's by the director and told by the director, you know, like no, this is maybe she did try and play it in a more scary, and he was like, no, no, we want her to be more of a sarcastic, stronger girl or something, you know, I don't know what happened, but... Because Norman's got all these issues, particularly <laughs> sexually, uh, <coughs> the fact that she is so crazily sexually aggressive, and, like, not only does she insist she wants to sleep with him right fucking now, yeah. <laughs> but she's gonna run up to the spooky house and wait for him naked in bed, yeah. you know, dis yeah, she just... nothing will dissuade her, it's <laughs> just like... You know, no, she's not, she's not even gonna stop, not with the spooky house, not with, uh, even it becomes spooky funny. Norman himself. Yeah, it becomes like, funny, and yeah. it's not supposed to be, no, he's, and that's a fail. He's a spooky <laughs> character, you know, but, uh, yeah, no, like I said, uh... The other thing is the morality of this radio show. Uh, CCH Powder and her producer, the John Minus character, know their shit enough to put two and two together between them and this the professional day of the show, they realize they're talking to this famous killer, Norman Bates. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, at that point, they need to call the police and yeah. have him arrested. And the fact that that's not even really a B <laughs> plot line to this, like, basically, <laughs> the Landis character says, keep him on the fucking line because yeah. this is going to be amazing for our show. Yeah. But that... He basically admits that he's going to commit another murder, and they, they on their end, just want to keep him on the line. Yeah, to keep it, to, yeah. Uh, I mean, I would have liked to have seen at least some conflict there. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, yeah, they just, like I said, they miss, a, they miss quite a bit in this movie, like, just through the writing and just through, I don't know, 
the director has to be d accountable to, towards it, you know, at some point in time too. But it was just not enough of a movie to keep me interested very, very much in it. So, in its defense, I will say that it is trying to make Norman Bates into a sympathetic character. Yes, and uh, I've not seen this done successfully, especially you know the the, the almost obvious example in my mind is the remake of Halloween where Rob Zombie basically tried to humanize Michael yep. Myers. And to my mind, that's actually the complete opposite of what this whole original idea of Michael Myers was. Yep. He was just this faceless, shapeless evil. It wasn't that he was abused. It was that he no. was fucking evil. Yeah, right? he was just bad. In yeah. this case, we're actually getting a, a more full portrait of somebody who was damaged by a parental figure and made into a monster and that struggles with this. You know, yeah, and uh, the real key plot point—the reason he thinks he has to kill again—is he's found out that his his new wife is pregnant. Yeah, and he's scared that the baby will be as crazy as he and kill people. And the only thing he can think to do to stop it is to, is kill, to kill her. her. Yeah. Right? The you mean it's it's crazy. It's yeah. a psycho thought to have, but he's in a way trying to protect the world from himself. I guess, yeah, if um, did. and that's got more psychological depth than most movies that have the number four behind it yeah. are going to typically produce. I guess. I don't want to just browbeat the movie. It is okay. But since it starts with a masterpiece and uh, followed by two subsequent sequels that are respectful but basically slasher movies, yes. it's kind of a fairly quiet, slumping end to a, a great Yeah, it, it really is. It's, a, it's a, like, you know, it just really... Not not what I would think of going out with as a bang when yeah. it comes to when it comes to like it's such an it's an iconic horror franchise. movie franchise movie you know like the it's psycho is it's scary it's it's got all the everything that you want it's got the crazy people it's got like yeah all the stuff that you need in a horror movie but this one just kind of just fades and not, it just doesn't and do it's not scary Olivia Hussey plays the the abusive mother and I'm yeah. not particularly. I, was, I, I don't find her intimidating. Yeah, I, I wasn't scared yeah. one single bit. And it's a horror movie, so yeah. we probably should have been. Yes, probably. No sabéis enterado de nada. Pues vais a flipar. Okay, uh, so on we go to Wreck 3, or Wreck Genesis. Yes. Um, I myself am a big fan of the Wreck franchise. Yes, um, I agree. Me too. I, I think that it's interesting in that it's kind of every horror movie thrown in a blender. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because we've got the zombies, we've got the found footage, yeah. and then we've got this sort of creepy demonic sort of angle yeah. sort of virus thing and then once we move on to the fourth movie Wreck Apocalypse we actually have sort of like a, a physical in sort of wormy infestation thing yeah Spoil spoiler alert spoilers for part four for but, part four yeah but basically uh, the, each movie kind of is the same and yet it builds on we get more information each time yeah um, Wreck 3 is kind of anomalous in that it obviously happens before the events in Wreck 1 and 2. We're going mm -hmm. backwards in time for the yeah. first and only time in the franchise. 
It's not only that the, the series regular director is not present here. Uh, Paco Plaza is the director of this one. Um, yeah. And uh, they make a conscious choice to depart from the force perspective found footage. About the first 10 or 15 minutes of this movie, we see through different camera angles, through various wedding guests, yes. uh, who are here to see the union of Coldo and Clara. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we know that shit's going to go bad because it's a wreck movie. Yeah. But <laughs> the interesting thing is, is that we basically get to the point of ground zero of the infection and... Uh, this old man basically drops like a bomb in the center of the wedding reception. Yeah. And once that moment happens, we switch from the found footage and we go full on cinematic, you know, film experience. Yeah. They like we've had done two and almost a half movies now of this found footage perspective. Let us go full bore and let us just make a movie. And that carries over to Rec Four. Rec yeah. Four is a straight purely, up movie. purely cinematic, yeah. So I think a lot of the purists were a little bit rocked by that. And a lot of the purists that weren't rocked by that were rocked by the fact that because we have a different director, the tone's a little different, and they let a little more air and a little bit more comedy into the proceedings. Yes. Wreck 1 and 2 are not funny. They're fucking intense, yeah. crazy, grab-you-by-the-face horror movies, and uh, quick yeah, and dirty. There, is, there is nothing funny about them. Vicious, no. vicious yeah. horror movies. And I would say that this is the least vicious chapter yes. of the Wreck franchise. That said, I still think that it it's entertaining enough. I get enough out of it that I like it. It's positive. Yeah. The review is thumbs up. Yeah. It might be, to my mind, the weakest chapter of the Wreck franchise, but if that's the case, it's the weakest chapter in a very strong horror franchise. Yes. So, uh, I'm a fan, but I'm willing to hear a second opinion. Where you know, do you land I, you, on know you know, Larry, I can't, I can't disagree with you about the Rex series at all. Um, like you said, the first two are just, uh, uh, they will scare you. Yeah. You know, these are the movies where you shut off all the lights and you, uh, and you sit in front of your big screen TV with the surround sound and you will be scared. Like, I, you will be. Um, I like, I like Rack 3. I, I, I do. I enjoy it. Uh, I I was a little thrown off by the religious aspect that happened. Yeah, uh, I was a little thrown off by that since you know the premise is it's an infection and a dog bite and what that has to do with demonic is just well you and know. that's they carry from the second wreck movie and wreck two they put a finger on it that they're not zombies as we understand them they are basically infected possessed people the infection has the same action as, as you would expect from a possessed person okay that's why in wreck 2 all of a sudden the, the creatures can start attacking from the ceiling and start having a little bit more supernatural strength right yeah I just... uh, and I think it was a way story wise of them upping the ante okay in yeah. this third movie they the, again they embrace it even further and that this is a wedding it is taking place at a church yeah. and they can use some of the church accoutrement yeah. uh, as it means to defend themselves yeah. there's actually holy blessed weapons that they can use yeah um and you know it's it, it, it's made out of a much more strongly devoutly religious culture than our own yes. i think that elements that might be seen more hokey when you see if it were from a canadian or american perspective not so in a more european italian perspective you know they still Love the Jesus, yes. yeah, and uh, well, I totally, you know, I, yeah. I can buy the crucifix I, I, in a vampire movie. I don't know why I wouldn't buy this in in, in a yeah. No, no, I, I get, I know a lot, but what it just threw me off when I first saw it, and as I and as I watched the movie, you kind of get used to that's you know that's in there and stuff like that. And I, 
I, and, they, and I know in their culture, like, demons and stuff like that are very scary. You yeah. know, like, you know, that's part of their religion, part of their, their lifestyle, you know, as they believe in heaven, hell, and that kind of thing. Um, I just, uh, I, it just took me a little bit when, when to get used to that point. Right. To come from the point where I was, where it was a dog bite, and I was, like, excited to see, like, oh, that's where that dog, that's the vet that that dog bit, and I was excited that, oh, okay, now the infection, now you're, you, all, uh, as soon as I saw that, I, I looked across when they showed panorams, I'm like, you're all, you're fucked, you're, you're all fucked, you're all dead, yeah. you know, the, you don't even know what's coming, and that was part of the really good buildup of this movie, was, like, no, you, you see the uncle. Yeah. You know, in several bits of footage, even in the background, and he doesn't look right, you know, but he's still ha <laughs> smiling. And even in the end, when he's running onto the sword, he's, he's still, still he's brain. still, I love you, got that, I love you, uncle, goofy, like, you know, yeah. like, you know, give me a hug kind of, kind of grin. Uh, the whole movie itself, I thought all the scenes, like all the, all the zombies were awesome. Yeah. You know, like, uh, the shots where they did show the demons in the mirrors and stuff like that, they were cool, you know, yeah. you know, and it kind of, you were kind of like, whoa, what the, what was that? You know, um, yeah. A the reflective bit, surfaces that it's revealed their true sort of form. Like, like, uh, like I said earlier, it's a, it's not the same as the first two, you know, like you said, the, the it's not, it, they're horror movies. This one is a horror movie. You will you you you'll get scared and things. And there's lots of like whoa moments, but there's a little more humor, and there's a little more like whoa what the fuck moments. Yeah. You know like kind of things. And where where you can either take it as like if you want to be serious about it and go like what the hell did they do that for? If you or you can take it in the the way that the movie is meant it to be, and you kind of got to giggle a, a yeah. little bit about it. You know. Especially the parts with the chainsaw, you know, with with her and stuff, you know. I outrageous. mind less the humor part. I think that once you get to chapter three, you can open it up a little bit more. As long as I still feel the stakes, as long as I still care about the characters. Yeah. And as long as it doesn't knock on self-parody. I think that's really when you jump the shark. You're allowed moments of levity. And yeah. the first two movies didn't really have that. And, uh, you know, no, so they, it feels that, different. Yeah, they, I don't think they were meant to ever be, Yeah. have any levity in them. But... I think what bothers me more than, than that sort of overtly humor stuff is sort of this uh, plot element where the, the young couple that are, that are getting married, whose entire family, by the way, is being wiped out by this outbreak, which is yeah. brutal, um, they can sense each other. They can sense that each other is still alive. Yeah. Like they, their bond is physical and tangible and real to a supernatural sort of psychic level. Yeah. And... Uh, it's weird. I can accept any measure of supernatural elements from our villains, but the fact that our two protagonists suddenly seem to have powers <laughs> seems strange to me. Yeah. Uh, that said, the movie's 80 minutes long. It's vicious. It's yeah. like violent and, and quick. And uh, everything that works for it, it, it took out of the first two Wreck movies. Yeah. And the, anything that works against it doesn't work so much for me that it's going to sink the ship. Yeah, it, 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 like I said, like it's a, a great continuation uh, on to the fourth one you yeah. know it gets you away from uh, the first person it gets you away from that found footage into the cinematic and so you're you when, by the time you get to the fourth one you you've kind of just assumed they're all cinematic almost you know what I mean yeah. like it's all the progression has been very smooth that way I, I the third one watch it yeah you know you, you watch it uh, enjoy it it's it's you know like I I 
The scenes uh, are well done. Not enough good things can be said about this franchise as a whole. No. Because two of the most derided and weirdly most popular things in horror right now are found footage and, and zombies. Yeah. I hear people bitch about how they're sick of zombies and they're sick of found footage. Yeah. And anytime I, I feel that conversation coming on, I will say, you need to watch the Wreck franchise because it redeems both. Yeah. Um, and yeah, part three might be the weakest. And... The stuff that I love about part three might be sort of the simple-minded bare, bare violence and the sexy, you know, blood-spattered bride, yeah. you know, oh, cutting, yeah. cutting her, uh, a strip down her dress so she can <laughs> yeah. move faster yeah. and just laying waste to these zombies. Family or no, yeah. <clears throat> she's going to fucking chainsaw these fucking people down. Yeah, the chainsaw and, uh, scenes are like some of the best. Yeah. I, like I've already said, yeah, I will say this is my least favorite entry in the series. I still think it's completely entertaining. Oh yeah, and uh, like uh, completely worth a watch. And I think the truth can be said for all of them, uh, but most of this for this movie, it stands alone in this it, series. Yes, Rec one and two almost seem like Act one and two of just one movie, and Rec four is sort of like a nice sort of wrap it all up finishing chapter. Yeah, this one, it, it, you know, it, it really stands alone in a way better than the rest. Uh, while as I've said. Being the weakest, still solid. Yeah, being, I'm a sucker for found yeah. footage. I'm a sucker for zombies. And, me uh, as well. Yeah, I so I agree with you. Uh, they blend both of those very well together. Uh, like I said, it keeps the franchise interesting and it keeps it going. And if you when you're finished watching this one, I recommend watching the fourth one as well. Absolutely, it'll, it'll completely the whole franchise itself is so well done that uh, that I've watched it several times myself you know just just because of I enjoy it so much and uh like I said that it's also great cuz I believe Rec 2 is something like 75 minutes yeah, Rec like 1 is like short. 80 you yeah. could watch all four of them in a night and you don't even it. realize that you've watched them <laughs> like they're that long you know like you you more than like it's more like you've only been watching for an hour yeah. you know they make zombies scary and they make found footage compelling yeah. in a way that few low budget Found footage of zombie movies made this side of the ocean have yeah, succeeded. That's, so that's very true, yes. Huge thumbs up for yeah. Wreck as a rule and as for Wreck Genesis. Yeah, it's a solid prequel. Go ahead, yeah. That's awesome. So, Dominion, prequel to The Exorcist. As far as horror franchise goes, few have had a more interesting and troubled sort of run than The Exorcist. Yeah. You, you start off with, I think, arguably one of the greatest horror movies ever made in the original Exorcist. The scary, but like in my top three of most scariest movies I have ever seen is yeah. The Exorcist. Yeah. Absolutely fantastically well made, scary, scary movie. That's followed up by one of the worst sequels ever made, <laughs> arguably one of the worst <laughs> movies ever made. Terrible. Exorcist to the Terrible. John Borman's utterly wow. embarrassing sequel. Then you have Exorcist 3, which some people are big defenders of, some people, you know, just dismiss. I kind of land in the middle. I, I don't think it's, you know, it's obviously the sequel that maybe should Exorcist 2 should have been, but still crushed by the weight of being 
you know, following in the footsteps uh, of the original Exorcist. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, it's number two. Yeah. Like, the, that other movie just doesn't, doesn't exist, exist in my very note. So you fast forward to the these two companion movies. Dominion, prequel to The Exorcist, which was directed by Paul Schrader. When the studio got a look at what he had made, they weren't happy with it. They spent enough money. They were, you know, trying to light the fire of The Exorcist, reignite the franchise. So they basically fired Schrader, hired Rennie Harlan. Rennie Harlan took some of Schrader's footage, did a bunch of reshooting, and made Exorcist the beginning. So both of the movies ended up eventually being released, but what you have is two discordant movies telling the same story in, in, in very different ways. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of interesting and anomalous. Stellan, anomalous just for that. Stellan Skarsgård is historically the first actor to star in the same movie as the same character twice. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, hopefully that doesn't happen again soon. <laughs> yeah. So to say that The Exorcist Dominion was a troubled production, yeah, absolutely. And the version that we're seeing here even is considered a work print version in a lot of ways. It, it was never completed to the satisfaction of everyone in the production. That's most notably in some of the CGI, particularly the hyena sequence in see, yeah. involving a snake. Yeah. But we're going to try and sit down here and I'm, I'm going to try and depart myself from the rest of the world of The Exorcist, from The Exorcist the beginning, and just <laughs> sit here and look at Dominion, the of The Exorcist, which is ostensibly a story about a bunch of people excavating a church in the middle of a desert and weird supernatural shenanigans that happen surrounding it, including one particular boy who had been a, a sort of a cripple and an outcast being possessed. Mm-hmm. of Pazuzu, presumably the demon that was the subject of the previous Exorcist movies. Paul Schrader, interesting filmmaker, interesting director. He's most famously known for his attachment to Martin Scorsese, writing Taxi Driver and Raging Bull, but he's an interesting presence and kind of a cool choice in a lot of ways to make an Exorcist movie. Yes. Uh, it seems to me like he wants to make a movie that basically entirely takes place in the first 15 minutes of the original Exorcist. We're going to see young Marin being an archaeologist, sort of a, a holy Indiana, Indiana Jones figure, <laughs> and he's going to get in a supernatural adventure of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to judge the movie because, like I say, it was a work in progress and it you know, wasn't completed to his satisfaction. But what I will say, this is a movie that's interesting, but it's not a movie that, at least for me, is in any way scary. And... If yeah. it's an Exorcist movie, I yeah. kind of need it to be scary. See, and the, and this is where uh, this is where I I, I have a problem in uh, separating myself from the original Exorcist, which which uh, deserves what I have to say much better than this. Yeah, you know, uh, it's it this this movie doesn't scare me. Uh, it actually kind of even confused me a little bit at certain points and times where I was like, well, I'm not really sure what where this is. Where I understand the religious behind the religious contest behind it and stuff like that, I just don't understand uh, some of the things, the supernatural that they were trying to convey to me. You know, right. the the struggle between good and the evil and the possession and stuff. It just wasn't. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I to me that wasn't how I how I would have thought the Exorcist would should be. Like I said, it's a disappointment to me, so it's kind of hard for me to talk about it because I just uh, uh, there's not a lot of things in the movie that I find 
compelling, uh, compelling to me. You know, I just I just don't. As far as the prequel goes, I I just uh, you know, kind of there's two, two things I would say. It's set up because we start with young Marin, you know, circa World War Two, being forced to make a horrible decision. Yeah. Forced by this evil Nazi to basically say who of this group of civilians is going to be executed, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it sort of sets up Marin in, in a redemptive place. He's you know trying to reconcile himself with face and re- redeem himself for what he'd done wrong. Most of the evil in the film is not done by evil supernatural demonic entities. It's done by people. Yeah, and. Uh, it's an interesting movie, but I think it's a different movie than an exorcism movie, right? Yeah, that's uh, that's what I, I I completely don't, think that. I don't necessarily <clears throat> excuse me. I don't necessarily buy or care about the interpolitics between you know the military who are trying to control these you know native people and the church which is trying to control these native people. Yeah. They're basically two, out, two outside influences who are at war of who's going to basically enslave this group of people. Yeah. And it's hard to really side with either. Uh, and uh, this sort of conflict has been played out before. In this case, not unsurprisingly, the military is sort of portrayed as evil and the church is portrayed as good. But in the real world, I mean, it's all shades of gray. Yeah. Uh, and again, I don't know how much of this has to do with the troubled production. The excavated church really felt like a set to me. Yeah, like uh, just all in all, the it just seemed to, uh, <laughs> like at every uh, like even like you said the 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 sites itself, the site where they shot was just not believable. I didn't believe it was an ancient, ancient ancient place or an ancient church or anything like that. I just it looked kind of poorly put together. There's a scene about halfway through the movie where I kind of felt, okay, shit's gonna get into high gear. This has all been prologue. We get to, we, everybody's been set up. We know who's who. But now this horror movie's gonna kick in. Uh, these two guys who have been assigned to guard the the church decide to go in and steal, and uh, they're found the next moment posed in a sacrilegious way, you know, and yep. bled out and, and massacred. So I'm like, okay, there it is. Supernatural horrifying stakes. Now it's on. Nobody seems phased by this. Yeah. Nobody seems phased by this at all. Yeah, nobody... It, yeah, it was like... Uh, they, the movie just kept... Kind of... Like, they just kept going. Without... <laughs> really... I don't know. Nobody thought about it. You know? We're going to keep throwing the shit at you. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I go back to this, okay, it's a redemption story. My question to you is, does Father Marin need to be redeemed? No... I, I I don't I don't think he needs to be redeemed. And uh, if he uh, did no. need to be redeemed, like this was a failed attempt, I guess, to save the life of this possessed boy. I don't know how that, you know, is a win for him necessarily, either. The, the, no, it's not necessarily a win for him, but you know, I like, guess he it, it reasserts his faith. Yeah, which is one thing, but he, he had know. lost his faith, and then uh, during and then in order the, for the redemption story to to to, to work for me. The right thing for him to do would have basically been to have allowed himself and the rest of the crowd to be shot by those Nazis. Yes. Because if not for him intervening and following those orders and basically naming the older, you know, more expendable members of the group, all of them would have been killed. That yeah. was established. Yeah, they were all going to... Yeah, they, so what he did was the, game. the yeah. lesser of two evils, Yeah. right? So I don't feel the need for redemption. So the redemption arc doesn't work. 
the horror arc doesn't work, and the archetypes of these two different powers trying to hold sway and influence over yeah. this, you know, local group is, you know, a familiar okay. and b yeah. not the movie I signed up to watch. A, a, a lot of a lot of things going on, uh, a lot of swirling plot twists and things that just don't go anywhere. A lot of uh, just overall problems with the story that I have, and just generally, like I said, disappointed. Uh, because The Exorcist to me is like the uh, one of the scariest movies and one of the most if you haven't seen it uh, you really should go and see or it should rent or download or whatever you want to do uh, as far as the Dominion goes I just uh, I I had a really it wasn't what I wanted to see when it came down to a horror movie for me that's that's basically what it boils down to it was more of a, a, a documentary yeah. rather than a horror movie to me I just didn't well, straight historical drama almost yeah like I the, just really the supernatural didn't... stuff seemed almost an afterthought I also think that the guy that, that's possessed this this sort of lame sort of crippled outsider kid I understand like I understand the choice in that like because he's had such a hard life he might be quote more susceptible yeah. to, to, to taking in this evil power yeah but <clears throat> Part of the thing with Regan is that she was just this sweet, innocent little girl. And uh, because he's mysterious, because we're not sure of his motivations, and because he sort of looks malformed and almost quote-unquote monstrous to begin with, yeah. we don't have that initial sort of instant sympathy. Yeah. He's just a strange guy with strange stuff happening to him. Yeah. It's I just, don't know. Like, I want to like this movie, but I... I, I, I honestly, I, I just can't. Yeah. I, I just can't. I can't... Uh, even if you we're collecting the series i don't think that i would even have that in my collection really i don't i, I don't see myself watching it yeah. you know again you know i don't need to yeah. you know what i mean in the and uh there's really not much about it that it's certainly not worse than the exorcist too but no. that's faint fucking praise no. that is oh man that is just like that is like well, yeah that's that's like there's a line there yeah <laughs> Interesting bunch of movies, um, you know, the sacred horror franchises taking us back to the grassroots to see where, where it all began. I'm interested to hear, what was your least favorite and why? Oh, my least favorite would have to be the last one that we just did, The Exorcist, The Dominion. Yeah. Uh, it's just a poorly done movie without, uh, like I said, it was like watching a, a documentary rather than a horror movie. There was nothing scary to me about it. Fairly scary. Uh, just generally nothing that a desensitized uh, two-year-old wouldn't watch and still not cry. I just, yeah. you know, like just didn't didn't agree with it at all. No. no. Alas, it was not to be. No, not not to be. In fifth place. In fifth place, I would have to say that would be the cycle, the cycle. Cycle four. Cycle four. Yeah, was uh just it was it was okay it was a continuation uh i didn't mind it so much uh there was i i learned a few things and then again i didn't uh, I, there was a lot of things that i did know already and uh it really wasn't needed uh 
as far as I that if you if you already watched the first ones, it watch it, but it wasn't really a needed movie, so right. I'd have to rate that as my as my next one down the list there. Okay. Yeah. In fourth place. Uh, that would be, well, let's see here. Well, there's a, that would have to be from dusk till dawn. Okay. Uh, simply because the first. 30, 40 minutes of the movie just doesn't matter and you just want to get to the vampires killing and eating people because you already knew that this that's where they were going and that's what was going to happen. So, uh, As far as uh, like the movie itself, I, I like the, the horror and the gore and the vampirism and the cheap, cheap little, cheapy little shots at people and just the characters in general and funny, some funny quips and here and there. And But like I said, mostly a vampire bloodbath. Yeah. And uh, yeah, good movie. Uh, well worth the watch if you've already watched the franchise. You might as well watch this one. It's well worth it. Just uh, keep just your kinda, expectations low. Yeah, this keep, is what I would yeah, say. Don't, uh, don't expect a hell of a lot and maybe, you know, make pizza or something for the first half an hour and <laughs> yeah. make small talk until the vampires come. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're at the top half of your list then. In third place. Uh, in third place, that would be the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Nice. Yeah, that... Uh, uh, Feel good picture that, that, of the bunch. That's 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 the a, a good all around movie that I enjoyed. It uh, uh, all the characters were like we discussed earlier, very very scary, very well played. Uh, a definite additive to the franchise and well worth the watch. Uh, if you're into gory, scary, man, this is the movie to see. There's so many scenes that I can't off the top of my head. There's just so many scenes, gory scenes, and scary and just what the fuck mouth dropping open scenes it is definitely the hardest of the six yeah movies. oh definitely by far the the <laughs> horror movie of the all of them by yeah. far yeah yeah uh let's see here the next one would be paranormal activity uh just third the third uh great movie yeah. scary got his points got the got the hauntings got the kids it, it brings you back into an age of uh where before there was any sort of digital enhancement to anything and when you saw it it was real and there was no like oh oh that was cgi'd or something you know it right. kind of brought you into that uh just uh all the scary stuff that happened it, it, it'll scare you it'll make you jump it, it's also a great additive to the franchise it makes up for the second one right uh leads it into the fourth one or, or, I mean, uh, yeah, leads it into the fourth one there. And, uh, yeah, it's all, all around a really good movie. I, I'd have to say that's my second that's my second one there, for sure. So, by process of elimination. Well, that would leave you with Rec 3. <laughs> Genesis can, is yeah, what, what, yeah, what can what can you say? Uh, the Rec series is absolutely uh, a brilliant watch. Uh, right from the first one to this one. Uh, this one is more has a more little uh, comedy aspect to it where the first ones like we said earlier are just raw horror movies that are there to scare you and make you jump and wish you didn't see some of the things you see but uh the third one all in all great great add to the to the series uh leads perfectly into the fourth one and uh i just i i really if you haven't watched the rec series i recommend you go watch the rec series uh, uh don't start at the third one start <laughs> at the first one go right from the thing yeah and be prepared to be scared and you won't be let down it's yeah. a it's a good movie all the way around when i say that rec three is of the group stands the best by itself that's fine but that certainly didn't mean to suggest that you shouldn't watch them all in order yeah. because 
Yeah, like, it's one of the rare horror movie franchises. I'm assuming that Apocalypse is the end of it, but maybe there'll be more. But as it stands, they've made four movies in a franchise without a real weak, really badly weak link in the chain. I haven't, I haven't come across one yeah. in the franchise Like yet, I said, so. I would argue that this is the least favorite of them, but I'm still a big fan. Oh, I'm so. a huge fan of it. I'm glad I got a chance to see it, so... Well, unfortunately, brother, we neither went six for six nor zero for six, so there's no prize for you today. Oh. Alas. Oh, alas. no prize. <laughs> that just means you're going to have to do it again. Yeah, that, that just means I'll, I'll look through it and do it again for sure. Um, here's the, the movies, at least in the order that I picked. Um, we're different, but I don't think we're going to have any major fights over it. Yeah. I don't think, you know, yeah. it's one of those things where on a different day it might have been slightly different, but... I actually put From Dust Till Dawn 3 at the bottom of the list. Okay. And for me, it's very, very low production values. And like you said, if you can basically cut the first half of the movie out more or less entirely yeah. and not lose much in the way of plot and story, like maybe we wouldn't know the characters as well, but yeah. all they're going to do is die suddenly for a punchline for yeah. you. Like That's true. None of this preamble is really, you know banked you know really really pays off yeah the movie kind of starts when the vampires show up and even when that shows up it's a low budget version of the first yeah so i think that the audience for this movie is fairly limited but the people who want to see but on three yeah. by all means here it is for yeah them. in fifth place dominion prequel to exorcist I think it's interesting when you think of all the stuff around it, and I'm sympathetic that it's a work in progress that never really got that final polish. Yeah. That said, I feel like even if it did have the final polish, this would be a not-scary exorcist movie. Yeah. And I don't think that's a good thing. I understand why the, the suits looked at this and said, you forgot the scares, we need to start over. Yeah. Um, that said, does it mean the, next, the exorcist beginning needs to exist? Well... That's a discussion for another day. Yeah, but for now, is. Dominion ranks in fifth place. <laughs> All the way in fourth, which might seem like an artificial high considering how unenthused we were about it, I'm putting Psycho for the beginning. Mick Garris, I might have been a little hard on him. He's a fine workman director. He's never really done anything that really made my jaw drop. But, like, He's got a genuine cult artifact, I think, in Critters 2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... Beyond that, I mean, if, if that's your high water mark, <laughs> critters too. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, he, you know, he did the adaptation of The Stand, and you know, he, he's got a good yeah. relationship with Stephen King. He's fine, but he's not going to blow you away. He, and, and yeah. that's exactly what happens here. It's a little paint by numbers, and considering where we started with Alfred Hitchcock and masterpiece of cinema to Mick Garris made for TV. Yeah. It seems like somewhat an uninspired journey. That said, for a made-to-TV psycho movie, it's adequate. Yeah, it's, it's all right. It's, yeah. it, it, it would do. Uh, we're going to find more commonality. Uh, I'm surprised to put the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning as high as third place, because as a rule, this is not my kind of movie. Mm -hmm. And there is... I wish I could sugarcoat it more, but an inherent pointlessness to this movie. This is a movie about a bunch of kids who die. Yeah. And there's no no hope to it, there's no story to it, there's no redemption to it. This is basically a torture porn movie. For that genre, I guess it's fairly solid, and the presence of Arlie Ermey I think elevates it somewhat, but 
I think it sort of speaks to the overall quality of the list of movies that the ranks as high as it does. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's a not a movie for everyone. No, um, God, so. no, it's not. If uh, it's not a movie that you want to say, hey, do you want, hey, honey, do you want to get scared? Uh, yeah. Come and sit down and watch this because, yeah, no. No, because if you think she's going to just hold you tight and everything's going to proceed from there, she's going to get up and run out of the room or throw up on you or something because there's some pretty gruesome, gruesome scenes in there. And in second place, I actually, is where I ended up with Wreck 3 Genesis. I think it's the wild child of the franchise, like I said, the weakest of the franchise, and yet completely entertaining. And um, I think it's kind of a nice bridge in that it, this is the one where we let go of found footage and embrace cinema. And I think it's actually a good thing for the franchise. Mm -hmm. I think trying to, you know, box a fourth movie into the frame of a fourth perspective again would just be, you know, pushing it maybe a little farther. Yeah, I, I think that would be a little bit too much there. Um, if, the, if it takes a misstep in the comedy or in the sort of power of love uh, angle to the movie, I forgive <laughs> it those faults. Because <laughs> I love it. There's the, there's a there's a sexiest shit. You know, I, I think French it, I, bride killing zombies. I totally think it fits perfectly in with the movie. Yeah, I, yeah, totally. Which uh, by process of elimination puts yep. for me the number one out of these, and I thought pretty strongly, Paranormal Activity three. And I will say because it scared me. Yeah. And like that's rare for any movie with number three on it, but like I'm, I don't think any of these other movies had one scare. That really worked, like that really like that fucking scared me. Yeah. Other than sort of a boo out of the dark. Yeah. Paranormal Activity Three has several genuinely creepy scenes. Oh in yes. It. And uh, bravo. Um, unfortunately, the same directing team followed it up with Part Four, and uh, that's been reviewed on my podcast not as positively, but uh, I was very impressed, very yeah. impressed with Paranormal Activity Three, and. Um, I don't know, I think people who are skeptical of the genre, you know, but we have two really great examples with Rec 3 and Paranormal Activity 3 of found footage being used quite well. Yes. So definitely for those, yeah, check it out. Um, prequels. Yeah, uh, prequels. In interest of wrapping it up, is there any horror movie out there that you want a prequel for that hasn't been yet? A real uh, a horror movie that hasn't prequeled yet. <laughs> oh, man. We're getting yet another prequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. coming out. Jeez, oh, um, let's see here. I just, you know, I can't think of a horror movie that I would want to see a they, prequel they to. They almost feel tapped out, don't they? Yeah, off the top of my head, I'm trying to go, I'm going through the classics, they all have it. <laughs> I'm going through, like, some of the other found footage stuff, they already have that. Like, what would a prequel to Friday the 13th look like? <laughs> I don't know how that works. Well, no, Jason, it's like, it's all about his mom when she was a slutty teenager yeah. killing people. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but... <laughs> That day may well come. That, oh, you never know, right? You just never know. That's awesome. Thank you so much for hey, thank you for having me in the 48th episode of That's Bank great. TV. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And that about wraps it up for episode 48. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I know I did. Um, we're coming close to the 50th episode of Rank and Review, and uh, that's a pretty big milestone for me. And uh, in order to celebrate that, I would like to 
have this podcast reach as many ears as possible. So if you could tell your friends about the podcast, if you could go to iTunes and Facebook, like the page, leave a positive review, all of these things would go a long ways to uh, keeping my morale up, keeping the podcast going, and to help celebrate 50 episodes, 300 reviews. Thanks so much, you guys.